Thursday, October 29th, and you're back with another edition of Kentucky Politics Weekly. Uh, I'm your host, Trey Watson, joined as always by Tom Stevens. Tom, how you doing, my friend? I'm delightful, Trey. How are you, man? Oh, doing well. And uh, we are fortunate to once again be joined by noted Democrat political strategist, uh, Matt Irwin. Matt, how you doing, buddy? If I was any better, I'd be you. Thanks for having me. <laughs> it's... it's... <laughs> I, I don't know if that's a curse I'd, I'd wish on anyone, Matt. <laughs> Still got the kids at home there, Trey? That's a karate camp, man. God bless the dojo. <laughs> <laughs> um, the Fed is very excited. He he he, he does his uh, his trials for his yellow belt here in late uh, late November, early November. All so right. How many how up. many boards you got to go through with your forehead to to get a yellow belt? I don't know because I don't even know like that we can that we can witness or view it i've seen some parents kind of like peering in through the tinted windows at, at, at classes i don't even know if we're you know, we have an opportunity to watch it so we'll 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 see when we get you know there. a good father would be there for his son i'm just that's all i'm saying <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh ouch stings <laughs> um all right well we uh as promised we're gonna, we're gonna just run swept through. the leg right there <laughs> As promised, we're going to run through all uh, 118 or is it 119 elections that are that are being vied in Kentucky uh, for the General Assembly on uh, Tuesday. But first, uh, we're going to get to a couple quick news items. I guess the biggest one is, uh, you know, the COVID numbers just continue to kind of rage out of control. I, you know, I don't know that any state has really figured out because even the places that we thought numbers are going down, state or country, everything seems to be jumping back up. Uh, the governor, I think, took a... I think maybe realizing that people are just not, <laughs> they're not going to comply with more mandates. I, you know, I think that people have just gotten, especially, you know, your 20 to 35 year old has just come to a point of exhaustion. I think the governor probably took a, a advisable tact uh, on Monday by handing out a list of recommended guidelines for counties that have entered red status for uh, uh, hospital bed usage and, and, and rate increases. Uh, a number of things, nothing that we haven't kind of been through before, but this time it's not a mandate. It's, it's more of a recommendation. And, you know, I, I, I'm hoping that maybe that's showing he's learned his lesson that, you know, A, there are, you know, if, if not legally right now, there, there will be in January or so limits on, on the executive power and emergency, but also people just, you know, you've got to keep the, the human psyche in mind while you're doing this stuff and not, not just, you know, what powers are given, given to me by the law. Yeah, I, I agree. I think it's a better tack. Well, it's certainly we'll, we'll see what happens because I think part of this is going fine. No more mandates. These are recommendations, and we are staring down a very long, very cold, very deadly couple of months here in Kentucky and elsewhere. So once you say these were recommendations, and you know now a lot of the ball is in your court to keep your people safe. Hopefully, some local officials get on board and exercise their authority. To just, I. I agree. Yeah. I, I just, I, I think we've talked about the show format. I, I think people, you know, and, and this is not about, this, this, I don't listen to your show. Well, yeah, <laughs> I, hell, I, I, I don't listen to it. I put it up and it's, it's done, but uh, you know, I, 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 I do just think that, you know, and this is not about Republican or Democrat things. I think every state's seeing it. I think that you just, as Americans, a, a majority of Americans have just reached an exhaustion point. I think you've got people who, are are wary and and they understand the risk but they're just like oh, i i can't i can't do this anymore so I, I think probably the the recommend you know terming as a recommendation is probably the right way to go just 
I've said it again and again, you, you, the governor also almost needs like a psychologist on staff for this thing to help advise him on the human psyche on how to handle this because half, half of it is just getting buy-in from the public and, and, and trying to figure out where, where the public's mind is right now and, and, and how far you can push them without breaking them. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think a lot of the sort of self-discipline that's needed to get through this, because, you know, at the very beginning, I remember having a conversation with somebody and they said, you know, what's what's it going to take? And I, my answer was Soviet style will, you know, and we, we don't <laughs> we don't have we that. don't really we don't really have that. But, you know, it's not impossible and is more likely probable that here in Kentucky, we're going to be in a place pretty soon, like some other areas have been and are like in, you know, places like rural Wisconsin, where you, you're not getting a hospital bed. There is no hospital bed to give you. I don't know if you guys have read some of the stories out of Idaho and Salt Lake city and El Paso. They're moving moving to other States. Yeah. When, I mean, if, if, you know, that's probably what it's going to take for the, the embers of like, I'm going to do whatever I want and, you know, consequences be damned to, to be put out because, you know, it's going to get bad. It's going, it's bad and it's going to get worse. And, well, and, and, and again, this is not about this is not necessarily about stopping the virus. It's about hospital bed usage. Sure. You know, and so it's, you know, I think people conflate the two. And this is about ensuring that not only do we have the capability to take care of, of seriously ill COVID patients, but we have, we have the ability to take care of people who have just had a heart attack or been in a car wreck or, you know, yeah. whatever else. You know, elective um, surgery. Yeah, uh, I know of, of, of specific interest to uh, the people on this podcast. Uh, Fayette County entered the red zone uh, this morning, Tom and Matt, which uh, puts us in into the governor's uh, guidelines, which uh, calls into question the uh, possibility of having UK Georgia football game. Yeah, I'm curious about it. I haven't seen anything put out about it, but I um, I'm wondering if that's the next thing. And candidly, maybe it's the best thing that could happen to the team for this weekend. Is if uh, the game gets pushed back? I mean, right. Uh, we have no- you know, as a Georgia fan, I was looking forward to you know sending my phone calls and text messages around to people here in Kentucky, uh, gloating after that game. But you know, it, if it's, I'll say this, I love Georgia football as much as anything in this world. But if not holding that game keeps the players and the coaches and the fans and the community safe, so be it. It's a football game. I, I would bet that they would they would close it to fans before they would cancel it. I, I, I would assume that's the next step before straight out cancellation. Yeah, you can you can sort of control the bubble around the players a little bit with stringent testing and you know quarantining and making sure that people act responsibly because you know the players are accountable to a coach. But SEC football fans aren't accountable to anybody, especially after their fifth demon coke before they walk in. So, you know, if it keeps people safe don't have fans speaking yeah. of fifth beam and coke too it's a noon game so uh you know I i'm sorry know. I, I meant 11 miller lights then sorry. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> um <laughs> the last kind of covid related thing i wanted to get to is and i posted this on on twitter the other day and sent it around and if you have not gotten a chance to check out the uh you know all these states have have a variety of of entities and individuals who are doing their their COVID updates uh you know obviously the governor here some states it's 
it's uh you know health cabinet secretary or whatever in in oregon i guess it's the oregon health authority and uh they had someone the first of the oregon health authority do the do this you know the, the normal normal very somber serious COVID update however <laughs> she was dressed in full clown makeup with like a clown costume <laughs> on like a squirting squirting flower on a lapel and the best part is she never once acknowledges why she's wearing this makeup. She's going it wasn't to like, even on Halloween. No, it, it was like Monday this week. Day. And she's like, she's like, and we and we and we lost another six Oregonians this week. And she's wearing clown makeup. Like it's pretty, it's pretty horrible when she gets to the point where she talks about the deaths, and she's in the costume. I mean, there's no way to reconcile what a misfire that is <laughs> if you like if you if you're in a position where you're providing on camera public the, the public with important information whether you're a health official or you're a newscaster or something like that a don't dress up just don't do it because no. halloween is for you know we were talking earlier halloween's for kids and young singles that's pretty much it um in my opinion but like you have to be you see a newscaster dressed up as like a sexy cat or something like that. <laughs> what if there's breaking news? What if you have to stop and say that there's been an attack in, you know, San Jose that they need to talk about? Like, just just don't do it, you know, or, or have something you can easily take off, not Pennywise makeup all over your face. Is By it way, ever appropriate to dress up as a clown? Just period. No. I mean, clown is like the creepiest of all the creepy. Yeah, but that's, you know, that's, that's the fun. By, 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 by the way, the creepy. I, I'm looking. I'm looking now at a at a response tweet to to the tweet thread that had that had that video, and I guess the next day she's giving the same update, wearing some sort of like like full body onesie like jumper th the thing with, with with a hoodie on it that's like a character of some sort. Just freaking bizarre. <laughs> to, to be fair, credit where credits due, Oregon's done a pretty good job of handling the outbreak so far. But they have. Don't, don't, but like, what are you going to do? Like, get an award for it and accept it dressed as like Batman? Oregon like, Health Just don't do that. Oregon Health Authority, get, get, get your heck together, man. Uh, uh, we're going to transition into races now. Uh, at the very top, uh, you know, we're, we're going to focus on General Assembly. Just want to hit kind of that 50,000 foot view on on the elections uh federally you know I, I i believe that the house is going to stay democrat and i believe that biden is going uh, likely to be the next president i think you and i are split on opinions on the senate i think it's it's still a toss-up i think more it is more likely than not to go democrat but i think it's like 60 40 that chance right now i, I don't think it, i don't think it's in the bag i know you're a little bit rosier on the on, surprise surprise you're rosier on the prospect of democrats well, it's not being rosy, and I'm certainly I wasn't born a rosy person, so <laughs> I, I, I tend even my politics to be pessimistic. But, um, you know, you're never surprised to see movement at the end of an election cycle. There's always, you know, something going on. But to see like things are breaking toward Democrats fast and hard in an almost unprecedented way. Um, I just think, you know, if you'd asked me six months ago who's going to win the Senate, I'd have been like, get out of here. You know, Dems don't stand a chance. The map is too bad. The map has been expanded so much. And that's happened before, but the resources haven't been there to capitalize on that expansion. And, you know, I, I 
think you're looking at a pretty clear, you know, anywhere from 50, 52 is, I think, a safe bet. I could see 55 as a, like, not out of the realm of possibility. But either way, I think that, you know, the Republican majority has gone in the Senate. At least, you know, I, I've been wrong before, but that's what I, that's where my head's at. Well, I think we'll preface all this, uh, Matt and I were discussing before we started taping, that we are in weird times. Like, it is not totally. outside, it's not outside the realm of possibility that, that, you know, literally everyone who is going to vote has already voted. And, and nobody, nobody's going to show up on election. Like, we, we really have no idea what is, you know, what, what, what is going to, what's going to happen on election day because we're just in, we're in weird times. So many states that don't ever have early voting have early voting right now. It's just, it is, right. it is unknown what's going to happen. This, there, you know, there, anybody you talk to has the same general idea that, well, Democrats are voting in force by mail and absentee across the country, but Republicans are going to vote on election day. And I'm not saying that that's flawed logic. I'm just saying that, you know, that's a bet you're making. And, Bets have been wrong in the past. And, and you're right. I mean, we are in uncharted waters. You could see a scenario where, you know, everybody thinks, well, you know, this thing's baked in or I'm not in a swing state or blah, 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 blah. And, or just does the normal American thing. and doesn't show up on Election Day, which is just as likely as voting, frankly. And, you know, the the early vote numbers have been astounding. America, America should pat itself on the back for keeping each other safe by uh, voting early and not making everybody sit in long lines. But yeah, uh, no, anybody tells you they're for sure know what's going to happen when uh, all the votes are counted is selling you something. Well, I think there's one scenario here where like we could be on the, whenever we do this thing again, we may not know yet. Um, There's some tie scenarios that are out there that don't look all that improbable. And then you're looking at with that crazy runoff system they've got in Georgia I mean, yeah. just a wholesale dissent on the state of Georgia looking at a runoff I mean, election how, that could decide much, the Senate. How, that would if, be crazy. If it's, if it's two – I mean, Matt, you're from Georgia. If it's two runoffs in Georgia, how much money will be spent in the state of Georgia the month between I mean, now and December? <laughs> it, $65 million. <laughs> it's going to be like insane. Put, but, you know, it's – there's – Georgia has, you know, in 08 when uh, Jim Martin was running for Senate, you know, he got to the runoff and it was it was great. The thing was, though, that newly elected Obama didn't want to go too hard in there because he had what he needed. And, you know, majorities in the Senate and House. And you don't want a new president to go down and spend a bunch of a president elect, I should say, to go down and spend a bunch of political capital on races that uh, you're going to lose in a runoff. And that was true for Jim Martin in 08. Both of those races, if they go to runoffs, are and 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 they're both probably going to go to runoffs. Probably, if maybe Asaf gets to you know fifty plus one, but um, you're not going to see Democrats go. Well, we're not going to waste our new capital on this. They're going to say, let's go for it. And you got eight hundred thousand new people registered in Georgia since um, Stacey Abrams' uh, race in eighteen, and it's like it's been a white whale flipping Georgia blue. But it's, you know, I, 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 I'm, I think it's going to happen. I certainly hope it happens. But, like, I've not been optimistic. I wasn't optimistic on Abrams getting elected governor. I wasn't optimistic on, you know, Jason Carter's race or Michelle Nunn's race. But this time, I, it just feels different. 
that'll be it'll be a crazy month if if like the control of the Senate comes down to the to the to two elections in Georgia. Like that'll be insane. <laughs> At, I mean, if that happens, do you like load up the Subaru and just head down there to like like fight the good fight? I just drive in the opposite direction. <laughs> just drive to Michigan. Try to get away from it. Try to, you know, practice self-care. Be your own best friend. And avoid, avoid the stress and the nonsense for a couple of weeks. Because we're all coming apart at the seams. <laughs> all right. Well, uh, let's get to what I'm sure everyone has been waiting for, which is the... You can do uh, House first or Senate? Let's start with the Senate, since that's sh- shorter. Um We'll just go, and we're but most of these, you know, I'll tell you, we spent a long time in the in the primary going through these races. The 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 general assembly races in in the in the general election far less in doubt than a lot of the primary races that, than we had. Uh, so we'll kind of fly through a bunch of these quick. Congratulations to Jason Howell, who'd be the new state senator for the first uh, first district, taking over for uh, uh, Stan Humphreys, who's retiring. Uh, he didn't have an opponent. Uh, hey, for for some of the night, not. Um, as sophisticated political animals, do you mind like to the extent that you know off the cuff, like kind of laying out like where the first is? You don't have to. Yeah, be exact, for, for, but first, like... first is first is kind of the bottom corner of the state, uh, tr- kind of Trig County down over okay. to Hickman. Uh, third district centered around uh, Christian County. Whitney Westerfield is the Libertarian challenger. That won't be much. Um, fifth district, uh, Stephen Meredith, which is centered around Grayson County. Uh, has a Libertarian Independent. Not much to worry about there. The seventh district, we start to get a little bit interesting. That's, I think uh, this is a super interesting race. Yeah, no, race. Julian Carroll's seat. Uh, you got Joe Gravis, uh, Ken Carroll, the son of uh, Julian Carroll, running as an independent, and Adrian Southworth, former staffer for uh, Lieutenant Governor Hampton. Uh, on the Republican side, uh, you know, Matt, I don't know, I don't know what your side's telling me, but my side's telling me it's 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 a it's a pure straight up toss up. It, it's going to be it's going to be tight. It is going to be tight. I think it's going to come down to a couple of things. Um, you know, does the turnout in Franklin County supposedly just you know going to be through the roof? So we'll see if what was tra- traditionally a Democratic, you know, I don't want to say stronghold, but you know, a place that Democrats said, especially in the city had, um, you know, more than a fighting chance. And so, uh, you know, I'm just picking up little things on Southworth that there might be some Republicans that aren't particularly, uh, you know, pumped about her joining really? the caucus. Really? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, 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 am, I am entertained by the fact that Democrats who, uh, who attacked Matt Bevan for uh, wrongfully firing Southworth uh, are now using Adrian Southworth. Even Adrian Southworth was even fired by Matt Bevan in ads. <laughs> kind of, kind of entertaining to me that kind of right. comes, back, comes back around. But uh, well, like folks know, that don't know, I mean, Ken Carroll is Senator slash Governor Julian Carroll's son. Yeah, and, right. and Ju- Julian, by the way, has endorsed Joe Gravis. But I guess right. there, there's some per- there's some level of personal animosity there. I believe is what I've, I've been told. You know, Father-son dynamics are a complicated thing. Well, I, I mean, between between that. between Gravis and and and, oh, and, Jul- uh, yeah. and Julian. Well, that's also a complicated. Thing. <laughs> so I I don't know. I mean, you know, Gravis Senator, has got the- or Representative Gravis has put a ton of money into this. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think he put a hundred thousand dollars of his own money in. Did I see that correct? Uh, that may be right. I didn't I didn't look at the breakdown, but yeah, there's a lot of money being spent on it. Um, so that one, I mean, that one is is a is a pure 
one of two, I think, toss-ups probably in, in the Senate. Um, kind of moving along the Ninth District, David Givens versus Democrat Byron Pettigo. Uh, that shouldn't be an issue for Senator Givens. He's got uh, Green County kind of on down to Glasgow and then kind of cuts across the border with Allen and Simpson. Um, 11th District, John Schickel uh, has James Fiorelli, uh, solid Republican district in Boone County. Uh, the 13th District, Reggie Thomas, Sarah Lexton has a right-in opponent, nothing to worry about there. 15th District, Rick Girdler has no opponent. 17th District, Damon Thayer versus Jason Shroud. Uh, you know, Damon, it's, it's, a, it's a district run for Republican. Damon campaigns harder than anyone else that I know. Uh, he, I know he can be somewhat controversial, but at the end of the day, he, you know, he, he does the mechanics of campaigns right, and he shouldn't have an issue there. Uh, Matt, are you hearing anything different from anybody on, on that? Well, race? I mean, sometimes you, you set aside a, a category for races of watch this if something weird happens, right? Yeah. Where it's not like this is safe, this is a toss up, this leans that, but it's like it's its own category to, you know, because the, the, there are parts of that district that aren't technically suburbs, but act and vote like the suburbs. And just, you know, that's its own category where if something weird happens, you know, if a wave could touch, you know, if a freak wave can touch a Senate district, you know, that's one that it could touch. But I'm not, you know, I'm just saying that, it, you know, that's its own category. I, I think that'd probably be the last race that could potentially fall. I, I just, I don't see Damon dropping that one. Morgan McGarvey, uh, the a minority leader on the other side, uh, no opponent. Uh, 21st district, you've got uh, Brandon Jackson Storm, who knocked off Albert Robinson. By the way, I, I did, uh, I remarked to Dan Brosher the other day, I said, how happy was Jack Bramer to be able to use the where have you gone, Albert Robinson headline in an article? <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I could just imagine Bramer just sitting there giggling at his desk in Frankfurt. He's, over, he's, over. Still, he's still laughing. Brandon <laughs> <laughs> uh, Storm has, it does have a Democrat opponent, Walter Tribolo the third, uh, but it's, I mean, it's as, that's as hard our Republican district as you can get. Uh, 23rd, Chris McDaniel and Ryan Alexia. Ale uh, I know there's a lot of attention being paid to it. Uh, you know, I feel pretty good based on everything that I'm being told. Uh, you know, I just, it's Northern Kentucky. And I know, I know, Matt, you, you guys think that there's some larger story to be taken from Andy Bashir's win over Matt Bevan in, in the Northern Kentucky suburbs. Uh, I 100% disagree with that. I think this is the year that all that comes crashing back down to, to earth. Uh, but I know, you know, Democrats feel like they have at least a puncher's chance in that race. Yeah. Um, Alexia, you know, has a good profile. He's actually been pretty good on fundraising. Democrats feel like, you know, if they got a, a, a pickup shot, that this is certainly in that category. Um, and yeah, I do. I look, uh, I'm in the camp that thinks that the Northern Kentucky suburbs are just suburbs. Now they're, they're still a little bit more conservative than a suburb of Philadelphia, Atlanta, Dallas, Houston, whatever, but they're acting more and more like what they are, which is just a suburb. So we'll see what happens. I mean, this, this is, if nothing else, this will be an interesting one to watch on election day. Uh, 25th, Robert Stivers, no opponent. Uh, 27th, Steve West has a libertarian and a write-in opponent. We're right there. That's a district kind of Paris on up to, uh, to Mason County. Uh, 20, uh, so he has two writing candidates. Uh, 29th district, I guess, is the other uh, kind of in-play one. You have the battle of Johnny Turner versus Johnny Turner. God, that's so crazy. Uh, you know, this is one where antithetical to most of the rest of the country, uh, Trump 
should be helping the Republican candidate. Um, you know, I, East Kentucky just often votes <laughs> votes votes the way it's going to vote. It's it's kind of its own animal. But you know, I think recent years have shown Trump uh, still has has a has a pretty strong hold out there, and I, I think that one is is anybody's call as where it's going to go. I mean, did yeah, they literally looked, actively recruit somebody named Johnny Turner to run against Johnny Turner? No, that would be that would be playing funny. Come on, <laughs> nobody's ever done that before. We had a I, Jesse Jesse Jackson in Illinois that ran against the Jesse Jackson. Go figure. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, I, that that's probably. I mean, I I, I know that. Uh, Republicans in the Senate feel like that's they got a they got a real a real strong shot at that one. Not not they don't I don't think there's confidence level, but they feel like they have a strong shot at it. Thirty um, first, Philip Wheeler and Glenn Martin Hammond. Um, you know, Wheeler's been, said some said some controversial things, but I think for that district, especially with Trump on top, uh, you know, he'll he'll be fine for another year. Um, I, I've I've heard that that's one to watch. Um, you know, uh, Hammond is putting resources into it and, you know, that's, just, that's just one to keep your eyes on. It's, right. it's, isn't it 2810 right now? Do I have that correct? Yeah. Cause we had 29 and lost the Oldham County one. What's your guys, you got a final prediction? I mean, gut tells you it stays the same. I could see Republicans picking up one, either the, either the seventh or the, or the, or the 29th. Matt? Uh, I mean, I, I think things will probably stay the same. 2010. All right. By the way, there's three. And that more. was that was a lot quicker. Yeah. By the way, there, there's three, yeah. three, three more. Three yeah, we more. We could have just there. done that. Yeah, <laughs> Th three more races there. They're they're all uh, Democrats in Louisville who are unopposed. It's uh, Gerald Neal, Denise Harper, Angel, and David Yates. So uh, no write-in or libertarian opposition that one. Now let's move to the House. Uh, first district budget chairman Stephen Rudy, no opponent. Second district Richard Heath and Josh Gilpin, the libertarian, shouldn't be a problem for uh, Representative Heath, who chairs the Ag Committee. Oh no, sorry, he does have a Democrat. Oh no, 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 sorry, that's third district. Third district Corbin Snarden and Randy Bridges. I know this is one that people were watching earlier in the summer, thinking that it could be a race. Everybody that I've talked to says that it's just the campaign on the Democrat side never really materialized. And that happens sometimes. Sometimes you think you're going to have a race. You think you got a candidate who's who's really going to going to put up a fight, and you got a shot. And you get to like October, and you look at it and say, "Well, the money's got to go somewhere else." Uh, I don't know if you're anything different on that one, Matt. No, sorry, I haven't. Uh, and and I'll, I'll, this is a good time to point out that I am uh, <laughs> not an expert on the Kentucky House races this year. This is just my opinions, and I don't have enough opinions on all of them. So I'm just putting that out there. Uh, the fourth district, uh, Lynn Beckler, it's, it's a Republican district. He's got a, a Democrat, Alonzo Pennington, and an independent running against him. But uh, you know, it's just some of these West Kentucky districts have just they've just shifted parties, and it's going to be tough to get them back, uh, regardless of the year. Uh, fifth district is uh, an technically, I guess, an open seat. The Republican nominee that was Mary Beth Imes, whose husband Kenny Imes was the county was the uh, state rep, and then kind of switched offices and moved up to a uh, county judge and uh now the seat's open again and uh, his wife mary beth imes is running um is that paducah murray 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 
uh you know it should be again these are these west kentucky seats have just they've, they've shifted so uh that should be okay chris freeland versus al cunningham uh al cunningham's a, a union guy uh freeland uh, radio station owner uh the incumbent republican first termer um should should be fine i haven't heard any reason for concern out there uh suzanne miles and you know matt th these ones i'm sure you've, you've run across these ones before i love suzanne but suzanne the party's always got to come in behind her and help because she's always got a tough race and man it makes you feel so good on filing day when you have somebody like that and they don't have an opponent you know you, the party just saved like you know 30 grand <laughs> yeah right we just saved six figures thank you yeah I, I'll, I'll never forget filing day in 2008 uh uh mike Harmon didn't get an opponent and I was, I was working safe right then. And Steve Robertson said, thank God we just saved $25,000. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, eighth district, uh, which is uh, Christian County, uh, Hopkinsville is uh, Walker, uh, Walker, Texas Ranger Thomas and uh, versus Pam Dossett. I mean, there's, you know, that district's gone back and forth the last couple of years. Uh, it, it it should be shifting Republican. It's one of the few districts outside of uh, Louisville election or the Kentucky where there's measurable, measurable minority population. And I think, you know, as often plays in some of these more rural area seats, uh, Pam Dossett has the same last name as Myron Dossett. And, you know, name ID sometimes came, comes to play out there. I still think Walker uh, will be fine based on everything that I'm hearing. But, you know, it's if, if there is some sort of movement on election day, that might be one to keep an eye on. Yeah, I agree. I think it's one of the – a lot of these races are just locked in. They are what they yeah. are, right? But then there's a, a small handful that are going to be really affected by bigger trends on the federal and the presidential. I think that's one of these districts. Now, I know that's a terrible uh, uh, prediction that this, <laughs> that this race will be influenced <laughs> one way or another, um, but it's another one that, like, you know, definitely – a. a I get the popcorn race on uh, on election night. Yeah, ninth uh, district, Myron. Uh, aforementioned Myron Dawson, uh, no opponent. The uh, tenth district is, I think, one of the ones that uh, you can put in a toss-up category. Uh, well, there are probably only maybe six or so that we'll get to that are that are that are in that area. Uh, Dean Schmore, uh, relatively, I think everybody can agree on a conservative uh, Democrat from Hardinsburg against Josh Calloway, who is a uh, youth pastor. Irvington, they ran against each other back in 2008, yeah. uh, 2018 rather, and it was only like a three or four point loss for uh, for Callaway. Uh, so you know he's got some bank name ID. I know there's a bunch of money being spent on both sides. Uh, Dean is, I, I like Dean. I've been around him several times. I know he was he was pretty helpful to to, to, to Corals back in the, uh, 2015. Uh, you know he he tends to work across the aisle. Although Dean does entertain me because every time somebody sends out a neg negative mail piece on it, he tweets about it and throws a fit, which that I, that I always like when opponents do that because, you know, you got under their skin. Um, but, you know, I think that this one's, you know, Trump's going to do very well in that district. And, you know, it's, it's, it's definitely a 50-50 race right now. Yeah, nothing else to say about this one except it's a toss-up. But, you know, like if, if it just comes down to this – you know, it's going to go one way or another. This is one of the ones where the Democratic incumbent, I'll say like the tie goes to the runner on this one. Like Dean is well known. It's it's anything that has been said about him during this election cycle has already been said. Um, so I, I, I'll give him a slight edge on, on winning this. I think you always have to give the incumbent an edge in a, in a tight race. And, and, yeah, and, some, and also sometimes in different environments, like 
being an incumbent can be a, t- a terrible idea, but this, <laughs> well, I, I just I don't feel like for, this is one of them. For, for state house races, I think it's the case because it's just, you, you have a more personal relationship with your state rep. And, sure. you know, I, I think that, that, that helps bail. I think it helped, it helped retain the Democrat majority for a number of years, far longer than, than they probably should have had it. Otherwise, there's just that dynamic where you have a relationship with your, with your state rep. Sure. Uh, um, the 11th district, I think, is one you can put in a in a keep an eye on it category. Um, it's uh, Rob Wiederstein. The Republican nominee in that one is uh, Jonathan Dixon, who is a uh, runs a fencing comp- fencing company. Uh, he's raised some money, and there's some, there's some outside money in uh, in uh, uh, on this one. So uh, you know, I, I, it's not the best district. That's one where the right Republican candidate can win it. Uh, we saw with Robbie Mills, um, you know, Wiederstein took it pretty easily uh, once it came open again. Uh, again, I, I don't, I wouldn't put it in like a I'm counting on it category, but it's, it's probably one to watch. Uh, 12th District, Jim Gooch has a Democrat opponent, uh, Arthur McLaughlin. Shouldn't be much to worry about, though. Gooch is a longtime incumbent, uh, representing both parties at a variety of times. Yeah. Uh, the next one, Jim Glenn, DJ Johnson for the third time, the rubber match. This is the, the toss up to end all toss ups. <laughs> if you recall, <laughs> it was a one vote election last time. Yeah. Uh, you know, I just think Trump being on the ballot, he's still going to, Trump's still going to do well in that district. Uh, and, and I know they've been, from what I've been told that they've, that, that the, that the party and some of the outside groups have been hitting, uh, Jim Glenn pretty hard. Uh, kind of going, taking, stealing a, a page out of the uh, Donald Trump playbook, calling him sleep, Sleepy Jim Glenn, because they have video and photos of him sleeping through committee meetings past session. Uh, they've been, uh, they've been employing. So, you know, I, I, who, who knows on this one? It's, <laughs> I, I would say Lynn leans towards DJ the Republican, but I, I have no idea. I, it's, it's just, I, I don't have an idea either. I think that uh, you you literally can't count Jim Glenn out. He'll win by a vote, you know. Like so, we'll just see what happens. Fourteenth, uh, Scott Lewis, no opponent. Fifteenth, Melinda Gibbons Prunty versus uh, Crystal uh, Chapel. Uh, she Crystal Chapel lost to C, uh, CB Embry for the Senate uh, last election. Uh, Prunty has raised a surprising amount of money. Uh, I know Melinda fairly well. I've worked with her pretty hard the last couple election cycles because they're that, that's that's been a hard race um but i think that district is just it's it's gone red so i don't think it's going back this cycle uh 16th jason petrie has no opponent 17th uh steve sheldon no opponent 18th samara heverin has uh a libertarian opponent shouldn't be a problem there 19th <laughs> i just want to bring up the 19th district because uh this is michael meredith and uh, he is he is running against uh, Daniel Wayne Johnson, who uh, has previously be, been convicted of uh, in, a, in a child abuse scandal. And this is his like third time running against Meredith. So, like, hey, can't you find a? <laughs> man, where where are the Democrats on on candidate recruitment here, man? Um... <laughs> Uh, <laughs> the twentieth, uh, you got Patty Minter as a libertarian opponent. I, I've been told that the uh, libertarian opponent is Lynette Lopez, who I believe is like a gospel singer, or like a music director at a church there. Uh, that she is kind of the uh, brainchild and heavily backed by the uh, uh, 
uh, by Richard Nelson and his his conservative groups and some of the local conservatives. So there is some money being spent on that race, uh, but it's just it's it's a it's a bad district. That's kind of downtown Bowling Green, the campus area, uh, formerly represented by Jody Richards. Twenty uh, first is Bart Rowland has a Democrat opponent, John Pennington, shouldn't be an issue. Twenty uh, second. It's another is, is one to watch. Uh, this is probably yet another pure toss-up. Uh, this is Wilson Stone's seat, uh, who's retiring after he had a, a brain aneurysm. Uh, Matt, anything to say about Wilson? I, I always liked Wilson. I worked with him on a couple of issue-based things. Good, good guy. Just to, you know, I haven't worked with him in years and years because I'm, I'm out of my own now. But uh, he was just uh, the, one of the nicest guys in the legislature. Just like. Uh, steady he was like to me i always want to see are you nice to staff right because that's to me the, the yeah. measure of like whether a member is you know a decent person or not and he just could not have been more complimentary and nice to hardworking lrc staff the you know the politically appointed staff on both sides and it was just you know frankly it's really gonna miss him i i, I like wilson uh, like i said i like working with him worked with him on a couple of tobacco uh, related things oh I used to do uh, on the uh, public affairs stuff. Anyway, you have David Young, who I believe is a is basketball coach. Is that right, uh, Matt? Yeah, and a high school a high school teacher and a coach. Yeah, in, in Scottsville against Sean McPherson, who actually previously ran against Wilson Stone the last time it was an open seat. Uh, both these guys are from Scottsville and uh, in Allen County. Uh, yeah, this is like top five Republican districts in the state on like you know the kind of the generic voting measures that that you that. that the parties put together um you know it, it should be a republican race that that district just i think part of it is complicated by the fact that democrats continue to find relatively well-known candidates from allen county which is the republican county in the district you know if it was if it was a republican from simpson versus a democrat from uh democrat from simpson i think it would lean much more heavily towards the republicans it's just sometimes this these geographic oddities and where, where the candidates from matter in these districts. So I think that's probably what's driving it being a closer race than it should be on paper, is that you have a well-known Democrat from the Republican county. Yeah, and, you know, with these relatively small turnouts for a Kentucky state house race compared to, compared to other states, you know, candidates matter, but how hard they work matters. And David Young's campaigning is why Repub or sorry, Democrats feel pretty good about this race. And it's not a race that on paper, they should feel particularly good about, but he's done a good job fending off some of the social issue attacks. And it's just, you know, more, everything I hear working his tail off. So, I mean, he's basically, another... he's basically, basically run as a Republican, talking about pro gun, pro life. So, well, I mean, you know, run as a, de you know, a Democrat, you know, let's 10 see. years ago here in Kentucky is any, another way any, to put that. Any, any, any port in a storm. I mean, let's face it, you know. Yeah, but I think, you know, this is, this is one that, you know, you, is you got to keep an eye on election day. We'll see what happens. I, it it should be a Republican seat. Um, you know, it's 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 one of the more competitive of the of the open seat races. We'll get to. I'll say that. Twenty uh, third, Steve Riley has a Democrat. Steve Jones, Tim, a Libertarian, Tim Philback. Uh, this is a, a seat. I think almost. I think it's entirely in uh, Barron County. Uh, Riley should win, and he's a longtime teacher, very popular in the district. Uh, Twenty four is another rematch. Terry Mills and Brandon Reed. Uh, Brandon Reed is an incredibly hard worker. I'm told Mills isn't putting up that much of a of a fight as far as effort in the ground. I don't know if you've heard any different on, on this one, Matt. I haven't heard anything about Terry Mills like 
taking his foot off the gas or anything, but I just, on, on this district is where um, if you see, you know, people call them ancestral Democrats and I'm frankly, I can't stand that term, but if you see, you know, people that voted Democrat for forever and then sort of ditched with Trump, if you see a district, a rural Kentucky district where Democrats come home to Joe Biden, this is one that I would watch. Marion, Marion County is big, big Union County. Uh, it's the biggest yeah. county in the district. Right. And, and, and if there's a rural population that's disaffected with Trump and says, you know, we can we can stomach Joe Biden. We like him. I would, you know, I would keep my eye on this one as well. Also a lot of Catholics in Marion County, too. So there's a lot of Catholics in Marion County. This is true. Uh, 25th, Jim Duplessy, no opponent. Uh, 26, Russell Weber's got a got a libertarian. Uh, 27th is another one that's, that's kind of interesting. Nancy Tate, first term, uh, she beat uh, Jeff Greer by like 26 votes or something like that. Uh, against Brian Chisholm, uh, who I'm told is a younger guy work, working working pretty hard. Uh, it's been uh, told there's been a lot of money spent on the race, uh, especially from outside groups. And it, it, this is you can squarely put this one in your toss-up category. Yeah, agree. Uh, 28, Charlie Miller, no opponent. Uh, 29 uh, is Kevin Bratcher versus Suzanne Kugler. Now, when I know now we're getting up to more into Matt's wheelhouse, some of the uh, suburban uh, Jefferson County seats. Uh, what are your thoughts on the Kevin Bratcher race here, Matt? So like a lot of Jefferson County seats, and in the future we'll be talking Louisville area seats. But I tell you, Matt, this, why, don't we, why don't we just kind of put all these all, all these Louisville seats in, in a bucket together and just talk, talk about them all at once. Let me run through them real quick. Uh, Bratcher right. versus, versus Kugler in the, in the 29th. Um, you've got, and just for conversation's sake, I don't think we'll win it, but I think it's worth kind of mentioning in a larger conversation um, that we're going to get into a 32nd seat, the 32nd district, Tina Bojanowski versus G. Hunt Roosevelt. Uh, yeah, that's that's the former Phil uh, Moffat seat. Uh, the 33rd, Jason Nemus versus uh, Margaret Flatner. Uh, the 36th, Jeff uh, yeah, Jeff Grammer versus Jerry Miller, and da, 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 da. what's the what's the last one I'm leaving? Oh, the 48th, uh, Ken Fleming versus Mary Sorales. Uh, yeah, I think Maria. Yeah, Maria. sorry, 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 Maria. No, sorry. Uh, you know, I think it. Why, why, why don't Why don't you go ahead with your with your your bit on the Louisville suburbs, and then I'll kind of retort. <laughs> well, so. I'm, I'm just, I'm obsessive about this, that in Eastern Jefferson County, the former Republican stronghold, like the wall fell in 18, the mayor's race, even Yarmouth did, you know, broke into places he hadn't uh, broken into. You had two state house races flip, and then you had some incredibly um, close races in, leg in legislative races where Republicans, did, you know, didn't even have a candidate two or four years before. So, no matter what the two races, the, the, so I guess the three that are in there are Bratcher, Nemus, and uh, Maria Sorolis. And if I had to count, like rank them on most likely to flip, would be most likely would be Nemus, seconds, Bratcher, and Sorolis uh, is the third. It doesn't put them all, you know, Maria in the safe category, but that district that she's in, which is like, you know, fancy East End Louisville 
is just, I mean, it broke so fast and so hard starting in 18 and 19. Um, now, with Nemus and Bratcher, there aren't a lot of races um, in the state where I, I think that, like, the candidate matters less that aren't, you know, washouts in, in rural areas. Um, I, I, you know, just taking them one at a time, Bratcher's been there for a long time. He's, you know, kind of running against Louisville in a sense with, with his messaging about, you know, riots in the streets and things like that. But I don't know if that's enough to stop this, you know, this, this tide that's rising in, uh, in that, uh, in that Southeast part of the district. He's, he's Nemus, got a, he's got a little bit, a little bit more of a blue collar district than the rest of the guys though. Right. He does. He, he does. But like every apartment building that's being built in Jefferson County is being built in that district. Not everyone, of course, He's just got tons and tons of new voters. And every time you get new voters, you lose that protection of incumbency. And like, look what I did for you in the past. So I like, that's a toss up. That is an absolute toss up. Nemus, that one, I, like, you know, I, I hate putting myself in a position where I might eat my words, but like that one is the, is I think one of the better chances to flip in the entire state. I don't know how, what he can do. Um, that he isn't already doing. I mean, he's using every argument in the book and like, good for him. He's, you know, he's working hard. He's saying that, you know, Jefferson County needs a seat at the table and he's going to be that person. Um, he's trying, you know, at the same time, he's accepting the endorsement for fairness, which is, you know, a great organization to be endorsed with is going on, you know, attack uh, about uh, uh, Margaret Pratt Plattner's, uh, you know, work for women's reproductive freedom. This thing with the JCTA is really interesting because, I, you know, I don't know if everybody knows this, but there's a group here that's working against a tax for JCPS and Nemus helped them by giving them access to the uh, Republican voter file. Um, Nemus has been endorsed by Better Schools Kentucky, the political um, wing or political organization of the JCTA. And they chose not to take back his, their endorsement. And that's, you know, whatever, that's the decision they got to make. Um, but I don't know if the damage wasn't already done because educators, especially coming after the 19 um, governor's race, educators are talking to educators all the time. They've got, you know, a million different uh, Facebook groups and things that they're talking to each other. So even though he kept the endorsement, he, it might've cost him, but this is one, you know, I, I it's really going to be interesting to watch because this this one is, has more to do with national trends than it does with Democrats. Or, I, I, sorry, than it does than it does does with uh, who the uh, who the uh, folks in, on the ballot are. I said that I think Nemus is, if not the hardest, one of the hardest working Republican candidates in the state. So you know, if if, if he holds on, it's it's purely because of his his shoe leather, and and he, and he is a, a pretty politically astute candidate so you know i think he's got everything going for him to be able to hold on in a election that yet yeah, you're right otherwise should be trending against him you know the bojanowski race to me is kind of a disappointment we didn't recruit a better candidate up there uh you know i, I don't know that much about louisville i mean on paper if you take away the take away incumbency i mean where does that rank among those seats up there republican to democrat the the um the change in the 18 vote over the 16 vote in Tina Bojanowski's district was a net gain for Democrats of like a thousand votes. Now, that doesn't se seem like a ton, but
but you shouldn't have any net gain in a presidential or in a midterm compared to a presidential. That district is, you know, going to be put into rock solid Democratic ter- uh, category after this race. Well, that's, I, you know, Moffat didn't run a great race, and he was. I don't know. He was he, a bad. He was a bad fit for the district. He, it was he, formerly a Republican district, but I, I, I he like wasn't Phil. He's kind of Republican. No, I totally. I, I I like Phil. I think that he was just. Yeah, he was. He wasn't a great fit for for that specific district. Um. Yeah, I, I wish we'd recruited a little bit more uh, notable candidate, and and you know, at the very least, you know, sometimes you, you're you're playing chess, and sometimes you gotta you gotta uh, recruit a candidate somewhere that you know you're probably not gonna win, and make make the other side spend some money there. Sure. Um, you know, Miller, I think, is the safest of that bunch. Would you agree? Oh, absolutely. I think, you know, there is a there is a conceivable place where he's the last state house Republican from Jefferson County. It's and it's not that much of a stretch. All right. Uh kind of move it off of Jefferson and, and we'll round it out. Marilyn Marcin's got no opponent. Lisa Wilner's got no opponent. Uh Jeff Donahue has an opponent, Jimmy Markle, a Republican. Um, it should be a safe race for Donahue. Uh, Kenzie Cantrell, no opponent. Uh, move on to the 39th, uh, which is an interesting race. Carolyn DuPont, a Democrat, versus Matt Lockett, a Republican. This is Russ Meyer's open seat. Uh, DuPont, uh, formerly, she's got a little bit of name ID, formerly ran against uh, Tom Buford for state Senate, and there was a decent amount of money spent on that race. Lockett is the GOP county chairman there uh, ran for Congress. The first, uh, the first year Andy Barr got elected in the in the primary. Uh, he ran for might have run for state rep in the primary before. I will say this for Matt Lockett. You know, he won a very competitive primary against somebody who, on paper, should have absolutely wiped the floor with him because he is fearless to throw a punch. <laughs> that race has gotten fairly, yes, fairly aggressive on both sides. Aggressive is such a nice way to put it. <laughs> <laughs> Makes it sound admirable. <laughs> all right so i mean that's that's been a that's been a pretty pretty dirty i don't think there's any uh love lost in that race no and that's you know that was kind of a bevan won the district over bashir 19 but just by a hair and there's a sliver of that district that's uh in fayette county um yeah and there's, like, needs... there's like four precincts the rest is all right. is, is the nicholasville side of jessamine remember wilmore is in kim king's district right um but the, you know those four precincts could make or break it, you know. And, so we'll we'll just see what happens. It's gonna be it's gonna be an interesting race. And if we don't win it, that'll be a diff- different district next time because Wilmore it'll be back to being just Jessamine County. Will Wilmore get the County. back and, and that and that'll flip that seat to Republican when you add Wilmore in. Fortieth, right. uh, uh, Nima Kulkarni, uh, no opponent. Forty first, Attica Scott, uh, no opponent. Reggie Meeks, no opponent. Uh, Pamela Stevenson, no opponent. That's that's the uh, Booker seat, right? Forty-three. That's right. Yeah. And just just a prediction on Pamela Stevenson, like her background. She's a great person. She's going to become. Uh, she's going to become somebody in Frankfurt, no doubt in my mind. Sometimes people go into Frankfurt and they're backbenchers and they stay there for eight years and they never do anything or make a name for themselves or do anything of note. I don't think she's going to be that that kind of uh, lawmaker. 44, Joni Jenkins, no opponent. 45, the Stan Lee, uh, former Stan Lee seat in the uh, uh, suburbs of Lexington. Uh, interesting race. Shirley Flynn Mitchell, who I believe is a former, was she Navy or Air Force? Right? Uh, I think the Navy. Uh, and uh, Killian, uh, Killian Timoney, who is a uh, teacher, I think former assistant principal, uh, 
uh, really interesting race. You know, this is one where Stan Lee had filed, uh, dropped out on filing day. Um, I think Killian had kind of frustrated some members of the Republican Party because he first came out and was like, yeah, I voted against Donald Trump, voted against Matt Bevin. Don't like a lot of that stuff. But I, I think with his attitude and his campaigning, um, you know, his, his willingness to listen to advice on the campaign trail has really won over a lot of the kind of Republican establishment and they've kind of bought in on it. Um, interesting race. Mitchell has actually got the, she's one of two Democrats, she's got the endorsement of the uh, Chamber of Commerce. But, you know, teachers have the uh, uh, 120 strong has, has endorsed both of them. Um, you know, really, really interesting, interesting race. That district used to be a lot more conservative than it is. I think this will kind of, this will kind of tell if it's gone full purple or if it's still got uh, a little bit more, more red in it. It's definitely one where this is another one where bigger trends in suburban areas are, you know, that's going to be the deciding factor of this race. And, you know, Dems feel like this is probably uh, their uh, best, if not second best chance for a pickup. And I, I agree. I think uh -huh. that, you know, it's, it, it's almost, I know there's some money being spent by outside groups, but in my opinion, not enough to break through the noise around Lexington right now. I, I tend to think overall the floor for, for Republicans in this is it, because of the uh, number of open seats and where they're at, Democratic seats and where they're at, I tend to believe the, the floor for Republicans is somewhere around plus two, plus three. And if, if Democrats are going to hold us down to that, then this is one that they're going to have to win to, to stay around that number. Um, 46, you have Al Gentry versus Bob DeVore. DeVore is kind of a perennial candidate. Uh, no issues there. 47, another open seat race. This is Rick Rand, uh, eight-term incumbent, former uh, budget committee chair, retiring. You have Jack Couch, who is a former county judge. It's Felicia Ray uh, Rayburn, who uh, is a, like a financial advisor. Uh, she is, this is one, uh, one of the couple handful in the state where the uh, uh, Young Americans for Freedom and kind of some of those groups are, uh, are very uh, heavily involved. And they kind of powered her through the primary. Um, she's She's young. I think she's like 27, 28 year old woman. Um, you know, I'm hearing a lot of people that are, that are very excited about her, and it's 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 an open seat in a rural area that Trump's going to do well in. You know, it's, it's it all lines up here for Republican flip. Yeah, that's you know, that's an uphill battle for Republicans, and it's uh, it's it's Kentucky's loss that Rick Rand's not going to be in the legislature anymore. Real good, fair, good smart, good nice guy. He's getting paid. Get that high three. Yeah. Get that high three in. What's he doing? The parks? Gonna run the parks or something? No, that's what Meyer got. Uh, that's right. Sorry. After 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 they after they they can the guy that uh, ran against squirrels. Forty <laughs> eighth, <Right. laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, we, we kind of hit on uh, Maria Sorrellis and Ken Fleming. It's a rematch, but that that's just a district that I think demographically has just gotten away from the party. It's you know, it's a lot of money being spent in that in that. Uh, race though on both sides Ken, and, Ken, uh, Ken is very aggressive he is but um, this is the third time that they're up against each other right I think it is I think you're right um, and it's just you know sometimes sometimes you just have to say look at the world around you and admit it's changed and that district um, that district's changed yeah the I mean there's that's going to be that's if, if Fleming wins that He's probably going to have to over, overcome a, like a plus 12 
plus 14 Biden advantage. And yeah. that's just, that's, uh, that's a hill to climb. Yeah. I, I, again, I think it's just one where the demo's gotten away from us on that. Uh, 49th, Tom Huff against a Democrat, uh, Jonathan Cacciatore and a Libertarian. Uh, that's Bullock County. I, <laughs> Bullock County is uh, an interesting place. I don't see any reason Tom Huff has, needs to worry on that one, though. Uh, Chad McCoy in the 50th against Corey Miller. Uh, Chad had a hard-fought primary, but it seems like he's kind of brought the party back together there enough to to get through in that race. Uh, 51st, Bam Carney versus Richard Steele. Get well, Bam. Uh, he seems to be doing a little bit better. Hopefully, he'll maybe get, might be able to make it back to Frankfurt soon, uh, but should be okay there. How does, can I ask a question? How does that work if you win, but you're not there to be sworn in? I have no idea. <laughs> have they, we ever? They, and, and, and I'm not, and like, I, and I wish uh, Ben well, Carney well, by the way. I, I want to, I just want to echo those facts, but what happens when you're not there for the organizational session to be sworn in? Can you be I, sworn in remotely? Like, can I you, think does you somebody can be, go to your room? Yes, I think you can be sworn in by a judge anywhere for any reason. I, I don't think you okay. necessarily have to be sworn in on the floor. All right. And I really do mean that. I wish, I wish yeah. him well. It sounds like he's really fighting the. Uh, uh, fighting to, to to get better. Yeah, he's, I mean it's been always nice to me. It's been uh what about a year and a half now? A year, mm, something like uh, that. Uh, Ken Upchurch, no opponent. Uh, fifty three. James Tipton uh, as Democrat. Dustin Burley, but it should be a safe district. Fifty four. Daniel Elliott against Linda Coffey. I believe that's a rematch. Um, uh, Daniel should be fine. Fifty five. Kim King has a write-in opponent. Um, nothing to worry about there. Fifty six. Dan Fister versus Lamar Allen, um, Woodford County seat uh, with a little bit of Fayette, a little bit of Franklin. Um, Fister's run before; he's got some name ID, uh, and I'm told you know what could be the deciding factor in this is just again you get into weird uh, geographic stuff in some of these districts. Lamar Allen is from Fayette County, which doesn't necessarily always fly with people in the rest of the district. I am told this is one that Republicans are very very high on. Well, I know that um, Allen's got a, a good organization behind him, which is, you know, sometimes a platitude, but I really do mean it this time. People are working the tails off for him, and I wouldn't at all be surprised if he pulled this off. I think it'll be a tight one. Um, I, based on what I'm hearing, I, I think it will lean towards Bister, but a lot, of, a lot of money being spent in that race, I can tell you that. That's right. Um, 57, Derek Graham uh, shouldn't have an issue against Republican Gary Reed Stratton. 58, uh, Jennifer Decker versus Will Barnett. It's an open seat uh, created by retiring Rob Rothenberger. Uh, Decker should be fine. 58, the speaker has no opponent. 60, South Santoro, no opponent. 61, Santoro. Hold on, can we just, can we, can we stop for a second? Yeah. And I, I know we, during our primary, uh, primary preview, we talked about this, but if you're running uh, uh, the Democratic Party, knowing what Oldham County looks like, Especially after that Senate special, the fact that he, that David Osborne doesn't have an opponent is nuts. If he had a half decent opponent right now, we would be talking about a tight race there. I really believe that. At the very least, just suck money up. You know, I was in this fight for years where there was uh, some people who who used to uh, kind of make some of the decisions for the for the House, and they thought it was better to have no opponent because it would make the incumbent look stronger when he. When he, you know, when he beat the hell out of whoever, whoever you run against him, I was like, no, right. And there's, have, have somebody file there everywhere. Some, there <laughs> used to be some deference to leadership too. 
yeah. where it was sort of like, well, the leaders got to work together a little more closely. So let's, you know, but that's, that's a district that a well, you know, a well-financed, good um, Democrat would have more than a fighting chance. And it's just disappointing to me. This is the last time he's ever going to not have an opponent. Let's put it that way. Well, and, and, and again, it, you're, you're playing chess here. And if you're going to let me just freaking like take a piece down the board uncontested, I, you, you gotta, yeah. you, you have to put some pressure on so that it eases pressure in, in other areas. But mm-hmm. 61st, Savannah Maddox has a uh, write in opponent, nothing there. 62, Phil Pratt, I, I think, you know, as much as the suburbs have changed, man, I think Scott County is one of these areas where the, the, the Republicans who want to be around Lexington or who have left Lexington and moved to Scott County. I actually think that county has trended a little bit to the right because Fayette has gone to the left. Um, but Pratt should have that one fine. 63, Cambanta versus Ashley Williams. Uh, you know, a lot of these other Kentucky seats are, are very safe. Uh, Kim Moser versus Larry Varney in the 64th. Kim should be fine. 65th, Buddy Wheatley uh, is, is opposed by uh, uh, Jameer Davis. Uh, but it, you know, that's an interesting one to watch. Uh, Jameer Davis, African-American, worked in uh, uh, small business development, I believe, for, for Bevan. Um, he actually called right after the 18 election, wanting to know how he could, how he could or right after the 18 filing deadline, actually, if, want to know if, if we didn't flip it, what it would uh, take to take to run. Uh, you know, it's, it's an area, it's one of the few districts in the state where there is a large minority population. I don't think we'll win it, but it'll, it'll at least be interesting to see what the numbers look like. Uh, 66, Ed Massey has a, a rematch with Roberto Henriquez and uh, the Libertarian running, safe district. 67, Rachel Roberts, who won in a special election, running against Leanna uh, Homenberg. This is Dennis Keene's old seat. Uh, this is one that could, there's enough rural in this that it could in the future trend towards uh, potentially flipping, but you know, yeah. But in the future, that rural is not going to be rural anymore. You know what yeah. I mean? That's, it's going to be full of subdivisions and apartment buildings. Well, let's see how far that stretches over. I don't know if it's going to get into, into uh, the Falmouth area. No, like, nowhere safe. Nowhere safe, Trey. <laughs> <laughs> 68, uh, Joe Fisher. Uh, has a Democrat Nancy uh, Bargett as opponent shouldn't be a problem there. Sixty nine Adam Koenig has a Democrat Ryan uh, Nevis and a Libertarian. Um, I've heard a couple of Democrats say that there's a shot there. I just I, I don't I don't see it. Seventieth uh, is another open seat race. This is kind of interesting. Uh, this is John Sims's seat, uh, Maysville, Fleming County, that area. Uh, Craig Miller versus uh, William Lee Lawrence. Uh, I think there's some decent money being spent on this. Uh, Lawrence is a real estate agent, younger guy, uh, very active in community. He's done a bunch for the historic preservation and kind of uh, preserving historic sites and stuff. Uh, but, you know, this is one where, uh, I mean, John Sims was, we've had him on the podcast, you know, really good guy, very conservative for a Democrat. Uh, I don't know that much about Craig Miller, but, you know, Sims was popular coming in on, on the big Dairy Queen there. I just, I would think that this is a, a, an open seat that's gonna it's gonna flip. Uh, I know, you know, I know that the the folks of the party are a little up on on Miller, um, but this one, you know, it's a this is one of those rural districts where it's gonna be an uphill battle. But we'll see what happens. Uh, Which I know I'm saying way too often. We'll, see what <laughs> well, but I mean that's that's just that's the geography. But, yeah, sometimes it is what it is. Yeah. 
Uh, 71st, Josh Bray. Congratulations, new state rep uh, for the Mount Vernon and Gary County area. The opponent, 72, Matt Cook against Todd Neese. Uh, I know, you know the, the party pulled a bunch of spending on this because I think Todd Neese lost a leg to diabetes in the middle of the summer. Uh, and so the party pulled Jesus. a bunch of polling and, and some stuff. Uh, Cook's just, he's, it's a district that's trended more red and he's very well fit for the district uh, based on his background. Uh, he's, a, he's, a, he's somebody to look for that could do something bigger in the future. He's, I, I'm really high on Matt Cook. Be interesting uh, to see if he ends up in leadership. Yeah. Uh, 73rd is an open, or, I guess, open via Ryan Dotson beating uh, Les Yates in a primary. Uh, that's the Winchester seat. Uh, he has Democrat Kenny Blair. I think that should should stay Republican. Uh, there's also right in there. 74th, David Hale has Democrat uh, Jeff Spraulding. Uh, should be fine there. 75, Kelly Flood, no opponents. 76. And 77, Ruth Ann Palumbo, George Brown, no opponents. 78, Mark Hart will keep us all safe from fluoride by being reelected. Oh uh, <laughs> sorry, that was about, sorry, that was about something else. Uh, seven, seven, totally 79th District, where I live. Uh, Susan Western versus John Larson, former Fayette County judge. Uh, Susan should win that one. Uh, 80th District, uh, Speak pro Tim David Mead, no opponent. 81st, another very expensive race. Uh, Mike yeah. Eves. Mike Eves shaking, shaking that Bashir tree, man. Get that money out. Uh, <laughs> against Deanna Frazier. Uh, this is going to be a tight race. I know a lot of, you know, Mike Eves has been around for a long time, which means he's got a lot of connections. Also means there's, there's stuff out there. I know they brought up uh, old uh, real estate deals between him and Ed Worley and the, the university, some scandals involved with that. Uh, whacking them a little bit with it, uh, kind of you know, playing up the, 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 the good old boy angle. Um, you know, that, that race was like, I think, was that race less than 10 votes before or less than it was, it was really, really close. Yeah, yeah. To 19. If there's, if there's a seat outside of the major Metro areas, that's going to, um, flip democratic, this is it. Um, you know, you had in 18, you know, the benefit of, you know, Donald Trump coming to Richmond for crying out loud. Um, and this this one is is going to be, I, I've, I've just a gut feeling on this that this is going to go for Eves. If, just if, if there's if there's any any voter dissatisfaction among uh, Republicans for Trump, like that it's you know you see the farther east you go in the in the in the state, Trump still is like that Mason Dixon poll shows Trump's still up thirty, but he was up sixty. Yeah, and that's this is a district where that drop, even though Trump's a, a landslide, where that drop could make a huge difference. So it's it's very 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 expensive race for for being in Madison County. <laughs> I think Mike Eves is showing like 170 uh, cash raise. Madison County's been getting rich these past yeah. couple cycles. Yes, they everybody have. wants it. The bell uh, bell. 82nd, Regina Huff, no opponent. 83rd, congratulations to the new state rep, my buddy Josh Branscombe. Uh, taking over for Jeff Hoover. 84th District, Chris Fugit versus Ken Hall. This is Perry County. Um, Fugit should be fine down there. 85, Shane Baker uh, won competitive primary. I think that was either a four or five way. He's got no general election opponent. He's the new state rep for Somerset. My old friend, Tom Odell Smith. Love Tom Odell Smith. Uh, he's one of my go-to guys for East Kentucky. Uh, he's, he's still part of the old, old Bob Mitchell machine. Uh, 
He will be the new state rep for the 86th district. Congratulations to Tom. 87th, Adam Bowling, no opponent, friend of the podcast. Uh, 88th, this is another kind of intriguing one, Sherilyn Stevenson's versus Aaron Yates. This is one, I think, you know, it, one other one that's, that's the demographics are trending away from the party. It was Republican for a long time. Um, I like Aaron, no Aaron. I, you know, I just don't know that he's the right fit for the district. He's kind of a libertarian uh where is where is that one, Trey? This is, this is this is Lexington. This is the old Bill Farmer Benvenuti seat, gotcha. kind of, uh, you know, the Jacobson Park on in area. Uh, you know, Stevenson, I think, kind of watched herself on how she voted during session. Probably voted pretty safe for the district. Um, yeah, I don't think either of the Republican candidates in that primary were were going to win. I think you know somewhere out there, there's the right candidate that, that might have been able to flip it. But I just, it was 56 votes last time. I, I think it'll probably be a wider margin this time. Mm-hmm. It's a wrong year for that district to flip. Yeah, another very interesting one. The 89th, Democrat Matt Van, Mike Van Winkle versus Robert Goforth. And there are, two, there are two writing candidates. <laughs> you know, now, Matt, here, here's my theory on this race. If I am a Republican, like, you know, magistrate or... Uh, you know, some dude down there who wants that seat. I hold, figured, yeah, hold I off. Bust my ass to no, I bust yeah. my ass to get go forth reelected because he's going to get booted from the legislature. They're going, they're going to kick him out, and then it's going to be a special election, and it's probably going to be a lot cheaper and a lot easier to get that nomination in a special election meeting than it is in a in a primary. And we'll we'll win the special election. You know, I think if right. I want I that mean, seat, could... I help get go forth reelected. You do, you do that, or you um, don't work for them, work for the Democrat, and just say whatever. You know, they can sit there for two years because it, you know you're taking a bet that Bo go for it's going to get booted. But oh, know, he's like, he's he gonna, seems like a safe bet. He gonna get he gonna uh, get booted. I mean, like he shouldn't he shouldn't be on the ballot. He shouldn't be running. He, no, you know, it's showing. You know, I, I thought he was an interesting candidate in the gubernatorial primary, but with everything that's happened, he's showing. You know, absolutely zero respect for the people he represents by putting himself back on the ballot. Sorry. That's just I, I, the I, I wrong thing for him to do. I could have told you he was crazy before, well before the governor's election. <laughs> uh, now we know. 90th District, Derek Lewis and Ralph Hoskins. Uh, very hard R Republican seat. Uh, Derek Lewis, another friend of the podcast. Uh, he should be fine. 91st, Paula Clemens Combs versus Billy Wesley. Um, I, man, I, I'm being, being told by like Democrats that they they kind of like Billy Wesley, so <laughs> this is this is the one that went back and forth, back and forth, back and forth between yeah, yeah. Cluster Howard been, and uh, it's been traded off a lot. And then you know with a presidential election, it's hard to see that a Republican, any Republican, wouldn't have a bit of advantage here. It just yeah. is what it is. Ninety uh, second, uh, former state rep Ansel Hard Rock Smith against John Blanton. Uh, Blanton's raised a crazy amount of money for that district, like sixty k. Uh, he should be fine over there. John really is a hard worker. I'm a huge fan of John. Uh, 93rd, that's another open seat, Chris Harris's seat. Uh, Rod Varney versus Norma Kirk McCormick, who uh, ran against Chris uh, the last two times. Uh, you know, I think that, that one, without Chris Harris's uh, name, ID, and, and general personality on the ballot, I think that one should flip back or flip towards Republicans. I mean, we'll see what happens with his folks showing up to vote for him for um, that Supreme Court race. I mean, that I'm not saying that that's the kind of thing that can determine an outcome, but it certainly can affect it. 
I, I also think I also think that's a district that again is likely to not exist uh, come 2022 because you're going to have to Pike is going to get reapportioned uh, just based on sure. population and what you've got to do to make new districts. And so that district is going to be like one of the, one of the five in Eastern Kentucky that'll be gone. Yeah, yeah. I mean that that one will, will be probably a portioned out. Uh, 94 Angie Hatton, uh, no opponent. Which I cannot believe we let that slide. Uh, 95, Ashley Tackett Lafferty versus uh, Will Reynolds. Uh, that's the, the Floyd County seat uh, that should stay Democrat. I, don't, I haven't heard any reason to think it won't. Um, 96, I think, is a pro another likely flip. Uh, Kathy Hinkle versus Patrick Flannery. Uh, Patrick, uh, good, good friend of mine, actually did work on county attorney races um, from Carter County, which is the larger county in the district. Uh, you know, that that was just a weird that was another very very close race i think it was like eight points or five, excuse me eight votes five, or something. Votes. five votes yeah five, five votes i think you put you put trump on top that should carry patrick over um you know i don't know if you're hearing anything different on that matt i mean it's one that democrats are working hard to defend you know it's it's gonna be uh, it's gonna be tough but it's not out out the room of possibility 97, Bobby McCool versus Will Hurst. That should be safe for McCool. 98, Danny Bentley has no opponent. So the one saves the party some money. 99, uh, Richard White versus Bill Redwine, which I believe is a rematch from the special election. This is in Elliott County. Um, you know, I, I would, I should, I, I believe it's probably going to stay Republican, but with, you know, it's, it's the old Rocky Atkins seat and you just, you never know on that one, especially the first reelect. Um, and then the hundredth, Terry Branham Clark versus Scott Sharp. You know, I've, I've talked to a couple people who who have some interest in this. Think it could be could could be tight. Clark is is well liked. Sharp's a hard worker, and it's you know it's up in that Boyd County area where Trump's going to do pretty well. Um, yeah, I this is one of those things. I, this is one of those areas again where like Trump is going to do exceptionally well, but he's also compared to sixteen is going to take a huge hit. You know, he, he might run 15, 20 points behind where he did in 16, and that can make all the difference. I've heard people, you know, pretty, pretty uh, uh, excited about the prospect of uh, Clark's reelection. Yeah, I, I mean, I thought early on that might be one that we, you know, we can we could count as a likely pickup. I think it's, you know, probably 60, 40 Democrat, but, you know, I think it's definitely one to, to keep an eye on, especially if Trump uh, overperforms a little bit in the rural areas. Uh, well, that's that's 100 races. <laughs> what, give, give your count. What's your, what's your your betting interest before you go and develop like your your parlays on this with the Georgia game over and whatever else? Well, I don't know. Is, is Stetson Bennett the quarterback? Because I'm not betting if he is. <laughs> oh, you mean okay? That was a that was a, an analogy. I see. Um, I think Dems pick up one seat, and I, I, I say think, that as I say that not as a cheerleader for the Democratic Party. I think that's really where I'm at. I, I think the floor for Republicans is plus three. I think it's more likely. You just said it was plus two. You you said plus. You the floor was plus two. Like I said, I said, a, I said it's plus two or plus three. I think it realistically it's probably plus three. I think it's more likely we end up at about plus five uh, between the open seats and a couple of the vulnerable Democrat incumbents in the rural areas. You know, even, even if we lose one or two of the suburban seats, which I think are all still well, toss-ups. I know we have a just a second left, but I'm really interested in people's prediction for where the uh, the sixth CD is. Uh, I think Barr wins it. I think it's closer than it should be. 
I think it's probably a three or four point race. Uh, I think that I give I give Barr the slight edge, but I think Hicks will end up doing better because of a lot of factors. Will end up having a closer margin than McGrath had in eighteen. I think Hicks will surprise people in high performance. I don't know if it'll be closer or not, but I do think he will surprise people on how close he comes. Mm-hmm. I, 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 the D, on, on election night, there's going to be people at the D trip that were like, why didn't we just put in 750,000 stupid dollars? And we could have, you know, could have won that I, race. And I think on that race, you know, I, I think it was probably a strategic mistake to ever mention Josh Hicks's name in an ad. I would have run nothing, but totally, I, I would run nothing but ads with, Andy Barr and his two young girls like walking through a horse farm with an American flag flying behind me. That's make ads for a living tray. I'm trying, man. I'm trying. <laughs> uh, this has been our, fun, guys. Yeah. Uh, we'll have to do it again in two years. <laughs> if, if we're, still, <laughs> yeah, right. if we're still podcasting. So I'll see uh, you guys at two years. Let's do it at like 10 a.m. Uh, <laughs> okay. Yeah, two years. Yeah. Two years today. Put it in my calendar. <laughs> Uh, well, thank you all for hanging in with us for another edition of Kentucky Politics Weekly, another another long one on the uh, election preview. As always, you can get us wherever you stream your podcast. If you get us on Apple Podcasts, please be sure to give us a review. And uh, Tom, I don't know what our podcast schedule will be like next week with the election. I don't know if we, we'll, we may do an election morning one, or we may wait until uh, Thursday to, to hit it so we, we know what we're talking about. But uh, we'll be back with you at some point next week on another Kentucky Politics Weekly.